Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans. Welcome to Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week, we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and today we're gearing up for Election Day in Texas with a very special guest, longtime Dallas Morning News political reporter Gromer Jeffers. We'll be talking with him about the role of food and restaurants on the campaign trail as politicians make their way around the state ahead of November 8th. Then we talk about butterboards and why they're kind of a bad idea, some internet viral pumpkin cookies, and chat with Alex Snodgrass of The Defined Dish. It all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food, like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make-every-recipe-in-the-cookbook foodie or a my-favorite-recipe-is-reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is an important episode, so go to dallasnews.com slash food after this for detailed show notes. And if you want us to answer any questions, share some food thoughts, or your own viral recipe attempts, email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Later on, we'll be talking with our politics reporter, Gromer Jeffers. But right now, I'm joined by food writers Sarah Blaskovich and Claire Baller and our producer, Julie Fisk, to talk about what's trending. So first, let's talk about fall. I know we've talked about the pumpkin spice latte, et cetera, um, but pumpkin stuff is still trending everywhere right now. And Sarah, you saw a recipe you wanted to try, right? Yes. So BuzzFeed says that there's a viral TikTok video about pumpkin cookies. And if I were to get into a fall thing, a pumpkin cookie might be closer to it. Right. For me, I think that sounds fun. And I... I am cynical on the idea that this is such an excellent pumpkin cookie, but it might be. So I thought I would challenge everybody here to make this allegedly viral pumpkin cookie. It has cream cheese filling in it. This is not a first level baking project. This is a couple levels up. Okay, gotcha. Um, So no promises whether all four of us will be able to successfully make them, but that's part of the fun. So we should make these pumpkin cheesecake cookies sometime this week take some photos and let's talk next week about whether they are a the most perfect thing ever like the internet thinks they are and b doable by normal people who sometimes like to bake sounds good (laughs) julie will you do it I'll do it, but I just have to let y'all know that when I mentioned this to my husband and my daughter, they were both like, oh no. (laughs) It's just known in the house. I mean, I can cook all day long, but baking, I have a real issue. And I'll turn a beautiful cake into a pancake in a heartbeat. So this is going to be, my husband is actually really great at baking. And he usually jumps in and takes over when I start crying in the kitchen. So he's already said like, well, I'll do it. And I said, well, honestly, I think there might be a desire for me to fail. (laughs) it might be cheating if you do it but but we're gonna do it everybody in the house is excited but just lower your expectations please okay so we'll meet back here same place same time same bat channel and tell us all about (laughs) your cookie adventure okay fantastic all right and so something else that's been trending a while on the internet is butterboards I don't really see this thing waning as we get into the holidays and like charcuterie season. You know, I feel like people are going to still be doing this. So I've also seen some new variations pop up like nut butter, cream cheese boards. And I think I even saw one with mayonnaise. No, (laughs) no, which was really just super offensive. (laughs) 
So what do you guys think about this? It's a no for me. I understand the reasoning behind it. Sometimes it kind of feels like Americans are more recently discovering communal dining and get really excited (laughs) when they they come across opportunities to communally dine. I think that there are better ways to do it than wiping bread across a communal slab of butter. Yeah, Claire, I'm with you. And I even have trouble looking at the pictures. Mm-hmm. Like a, a big yellowish glob of butter with some stuff sprinkled on top. Usually, I feel like most of the Instagram pictures do that thing where they show like two thirds of it and cut it off in the corner. Because our eyes and stomachs don't even want to see the whole thing, yeah. much less eat it. And you're setting yourself up to eat butter as you would a soft cheese. They are not the same. Right. You do not eat butter the way you eat a goat cheese, mm-hmm. right? So I just don't really understand in what world you would want to sit and eat that much butter or, or a group of people would eat that much butter. The peanut butter boards are especially um, hilarious to me because like this is called being 19 and drunk, <laughs> except <laughs> you slather it all over a board instead of like... Let's call it 21, actually. Let me edit just a little bit. When I was 21 and drunk, I did never, I never drank before I was 21, okay? Um, okay, so, but no, it's a it's a jar of peanut butter. It didn't make it onto the cutting board, but then you would take your Oreo or your whatever it was because you're 21 and drunk and you dip it in. Fluff. Yeah, yeah. You dip it in there and you'd eat it. And that was like a three o'clock in the morning, delicious time. And it's like, now there's an Instagram photo of this. That's and we're fancy. all, none of us are drunk and we're still eating that. Like, <laughs> get out of here. You can put your Oreo in your jar of peanut butter without any of the rest of this business. And not with sharing it with other people to dunk in <laughs> Ew. also. Yeah, yes. yeah, right. Good right? point. And here's the thing too. Okay, so I love a compound butter. I think mm-hmm. that's a good idea, right. right? Right. Make it and put it on a grilled protein or your own little personal thing mm-hmm. of, for bread and butter. In the videos, people are always like wiping up There's the butter. There's so much smearing. There's <laughs> so much aggressive wiping <laughs> that it's just not, it's not appetizing. It's, you're, Claire nailed it. Aggressive wiping. That's, That's going to be one that we <laughs> we save. Erin, <laughs> are you in on this at all? No, no. When I first saw it, I was just so grossed out because I'm really weird about food safety. And when I saw that being spread on a wooden cutting board, that's just like begging for bacteria. Like boards are not meant for like a wet substance. That is for dry goods only. And especially not one that like slowly melts as it sits <laughs> out. We're in Texas. Like, you're spreading butter on a slab. It's not going to hold its form. And then we're we're in the backyard. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. There's flies on it. It's all sorts of gross. So um, I previously chatted with our local dietitian, our favorite local dietitian, Robin Plotkin, who is founder of Board Mama here. And she pretty much agreed with us on, on all of these points. But she did have some ideas on how to fix it. Here's more from Robin. I will say that as a board expert, they certainly appeal to the beauty of charcuterie boards and board work and food on boards. I think they're gorgeous. Um, I think people are very, very creative with what they're using for toppings and for bases. You had mentioned that we're seeing so many things other than butter as the base nowadays, including nuts, nut butters, and creme fraiche. But as a whole, I don't think that they are something that is one, sustainable, and two, something that my customers, for example, would not purchase for a variety of reasons. And so what do you mean by sustainable? Well, first, I think if you're in the food business or you're working with food, you know, or you're buying food, which we all are, we know that food prices are through the roof. Right. 
and there's a butter shortage. Mm-hmm. Is it because of the butter boards? I think that it will impact it. Yes. I'm not a professional in that in that realm, but there is a butter shortage. And with the holidays coming up and people doing their holiday baking and their holiday cooking, which is something that they do year in and year out, it's very much a part of their family history and part of their holiday experience. People are going to be left without butter. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it will be because I think people are going forward with butter boards. And so what other issues do you have with it? One, there's kind of a food safety issue. Mm-hmm. When people are used to taking a knife and taking a pad of butter, for example, off of a, a butter um, plate, people are not using knives. And um, if you've been in the food business, like you and I have, you know that people are very, very unsanitary right. when it comes to food. And this is you know, a breeding ground for food safety issues, especially as people are taking pieces of bread and swiping it through the butter. You, you really are supposed to use a knife, but I think it's so exciting to say, hey, I have free range. I'm just going to take my bread and I'm going to take my crackers and just scoop up as much butter as I possibly can on it. Yeah, That's one issue. If you are using a knife and you're using a plastic cutting board or a wooden cutting board, there's opportunity for bacteria to harbor anyway. So right. for it to just sit in those crevices and those cracks is another opportunity you know, for foodborne illness. You told me earlier that you have some solutions and ideas to, to make this trend a little bit better. Like I said, initially, I think it's beautiful. I think the way that people are decorating and using different ingredients to really elevate it is gorgeous. But what I would love to see or what I would love to recommend is individual butter boards mm. for each place setting at your table, make a small one on either a ramekin Mm -hmm. because you can then cover that and put that back in the refrigerator and then take it out again. Right. Or a small plate, for example, and maybe do a smaller version that is more appropriate in terms of a serving size for an individual person. That was another issue you had just for health and dietary reasons. Right. I think that people, again, it kind of gives them the free reign to take in as much butter as possible. And trust me, I'm a huge fan of bread and butter. I love bread and butter. There's certainly a place and time for it. But when you are eating copious amounts of butter, you know, obviously the health issue is there. Plus, you're going to get real full real fast. Yeah. As somebody who does what I do, I think I always think about how much appetizer or how much of one thing are you going to offer your guests in lieu of them eating the rest of the meal that you've prepared or cooked or purchased or whatever. So it's a delicate balance and people don't put as much time and thought into it probably as I do. Right. But when you think through all of those steps, you know, it does make sense. Thanks guys. Stick around. Up next, we'll be talking about food and restaurants on the campaign trail. Central Market is really into food. Like when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. All right. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so excited that our politics reporter, Gromer Jeffers, has taken the time to come on our show today. He's been covering politics in Texas for at least 20 years, and he's seen a lot, including what politicians order at restaurants. Hi, Gromer. Welcome to the show. Hey, it's (laughs) great to be here. I mean, one of my favorite food folks. So first, let's go over some important election dates for everyone to remember. Election day is November 8th, and early voting runs from October 24th to November 4th. 
and the last day to apply to vote by mail is October 28th. And in this midterm election, Texans will be voting for many state leaders, U.S. House representatives, and more. So the Texas governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, comptroller, and all those guys are up for election, as are members of the State Board of Education. So this is an important one for our state. Gromer, before we talk about food, do you have some tips for voters? Yeah, and let me just add that your voice is important. Don't like assume that it doesn't matter because it does matter. A lot of these elections go down to the wire. They're really close. Yep. You can't complain either if you, you don't vote. One of the things that you find that even if you have to stand in line for a little while, if you wait to the last minute, it's really fun to participate in the process. And early voting makes it a little easier, too. No lines, just go in and out. Yeah, just vote. Now let's dig into food. We all know that diners, restaurants, you know, all the food appearances that politicians make play a huge role in how they connect with people and voters. Sometimes it's a good thing, and sometimes it makes for unflattering photo ops. So, Gromer, in your experience, how important has the restaurant appearance been for Texas politicians over the years? It's been very important because everybody likes food, right? But say, you know, for an out-of-town politician, like, for instance, I I ran into Beto O'Rourke today. He was upstairs um, with the editorial board. He's heading over to Ella B's in Arlington, right? A lot of people haven't heard of Ella B's, but like, say, if you're in Arlington and you can't get to where Beto is today or a candidate, you know, oh, wow, he was at LBs. And, you know, I go there every week, and it's a connection that the candidate makes with the community and people who frequent that restaurant. It can be very important, and not only for that restaurant, right? Uh, it, there used to be a time when if a president, for instance, dropped in at, at a restaurant, they would have, this is the George W. Bush cheeseburger <laughs> or the, you know, Table. the Obama sandwich. Uh, or something like that. Uh, <laughs> he dropped by Franklin's Barbecue in Austin. Oh, Obama um, did? Yeah, years ago. I think it was around 2016. That was Every, a smart move. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody remembered what he ordered and tried to replicate that order. He also dropped by Torchies. Uh, but no, it, it's really important because it shows that you also kind of know that community. And you know the places people are going, and that's on both sides, Republicans and Democrats. So, Grummer, is this very orchestrated, or does Obama say, I like barbecue and tacos, and his aide finds two places that the Internet likes? Like, how does it work? It is orchestrated because if you're a big-time politician, you just can't show up, right? Right. The governors, presidents, in many cases, members of Congress, there's also security concerns. Uh So they actually do research. They check these places out. Are they accessible to the highway or to where we're going? How much time do we have? A place that's on the highway may have a better chance of getting a big-time candidate than some place that's out of the way. Interesting. Yeah. So, for instance, Love Phil, Heinz Barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. That outpost there, they have gotten a couple of uh, candidates on the way to Love Phil just because they're right there and it's easy to get to and they can, you know. Any place off 35, Mesa Mile, yep. Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, visited that place because it was on the way to uh, Oak Lawn oh, to sure. a fundraiser oh, okay. that he had there, and they, he needed to stop somewhere. And Miguel Solis, the former school board president, took mm-hmm. him there. Yep. A lot of it is convenience and what the candidate likes. And then I guess you also probably need to know who owns it or who runs it. 
are they either in support of this candidate? Is that is that required that the person who owns it is a Democrat or a Republican who aligning with the person who's coming in? It's not required, and a lot of restaurants try to be nonpartisan. Yeah, I, there was an incident a few years ago, and you guys helped me with the French name. It's it's a lot. Bill 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 There you go. <laughs> Ted Cruz and Donald Trump Jr was at that restaurant for a party. It was, I think it was one of them birthday party. And so they had this sort of mock cake of Barack Obama sort of poking fun at that iconic artist rendering of his campaign yeah. posters, you mm-hmm. know, the, and it went viral yep. online. The owner was furious and came out and apologized for that because the folks who owned the restaurant felt it was important not to be partisan, but it happens. O'Rourke, for instance, Beto O'Rourke, a couple of his events in rural areas have been canceled because, in theory, we believe uh, owners of those spots did not want flack from the community, uh-huh. the mostly Republican, the mostly mm-hmm. pro-Abbott folks that live there. And a lot of this, too, is a, what the candidate likes. Right, right, yeah. You know, if you like barbecue, you hear you're probably going to stop by Pecan Lodge. If you're in Austin, you're probably going to stop by Franklin's or someplace like that. They should ask the food team at the Dallas Morning News where to eat. I know. I was going to say, have we ever gotten a question? No president has reached out to me yet to say, hey, Sarah, where should I eat? That is, that's a great point because the candidates are one thing. These campaigns have big operations, right? They have field staff. They have people on the ground. And the number one question I get, like when an event is over, let's say I go to a rally, candidate is gone, staff is there. Where can we eat? Where can I get some Thai? Or what's the best barbecue place? Go to dallasnews.com. I I know. I love it. And that's what I have to do when, like, this is a large metroplex, right? Large area. So if I find myself in Denton, I usually Google you guys or or go to the site and figure out, God, where where do I need to eat here? That's where you guys are invaluable. And I love like This is an untapped resource. Politicians (laughs) wondering where to eat. We're here to serve. Yeah. And you know what and you know what's popular now that you guys do that some of the politicians have paid attention to? What? The best thing I ate this week. That's awesome, Claire. It's fun. It's it's a fun roundup. But you know what I've been thinking about as we're talking about politicians eating out? That seems like so much pressure to think about what you're going to be caught eating. Yes. Like, what if you just really yeah. want pineapple on your pizza? You know, you just <laughs> want something. You're like, I don't want anyone to give me a hard time. This is just really what I'm craving right now. Do you see, like, that often happen where politicians do catch flack for what they choose to eat? Or do you think there's a lot of thought that goes into what they order? Is there calculations there? Yeah, I think there's thought that goes into what they order, the the optics of it and the mechanics of it. So if you know that there are going to be cameras around and you get a real cheesy slice of pizza or something like that, <laughs> you got to be careful. If you're going to like eat ice cream or something and it's melting, anything that could have an adverse reaction or get caught in your teeth or make you look funny, you're going to have to worry about that. Like Rick Perry with his corn dog? Yeah. Yes. I was going to say, there have been yeah. a lot of corny dog incidences. Right. Exactly. My husband and I still send that picture to each other all the time. 
Yeah. And, and that's sort of a campaign manager's nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Uh, or like, what if so you're at the taco place and someone not from here who has never taken Spanish in high school like the rest of us does mispronounces what they're ordering on the menu at the Mexican restaurant? Like, that's not okay. It's not. And, and then the, so the folks there would be like, oh, you know, he doesn't or she, they don't know what they're talking about. And then yeah. it becomes an, an item. It goes viral. And you should also try to stay away from food metaphors. We all remember earlier this year, I believe it was in July, when First Lady Jill Biden in San Antonio had to apologize for uh, calling uh, Latinos in the Latino community unique as breakfast tacos. So, you yeah, know, that was bad. You saw, you can kind of get the idea where she was trying to go, but you, it didn't no, work. Uh uh-uh, uh. Yep. No. no. Yeah. So, and bringing up the Bidens, remember the moment in 2020, real cool moment for Texans is when Beto O'Rourke made good on his promise and took Joe Biden to a Whataburger. Yes, the Whataburger. Remember that? I do remember that. That was awesome. Which we talked about uncomfortable moments. I don't know if Joe Biden really liked liked what he had. (laughs) There are some Texans who will even say that Whataburger is not the best, but they're sort of required to love it because it's our state burger place. But I think Whataburger is actually kind of polarizing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Beto was digging in and, and kind of going for it, and Biden was like, oh, okay. You know. Biden's like, I'm not really getting right, your exactly. <laughs> big so, orange and white A-frame. I know, maybe he's a Shake Shack kind of guy or something <laughs> like that. But. Yeah. And I guess these people are on the road for months at a time. For months Of at course, a not time. the candidate only, but the staff as but well. But the staff as well. Wow. So they develop these favorite places. And coffee, coffee shops. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Huge. Beto recently was at Window Seat. Yes. yes. And got a Pop-Tart. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, not for a political mm-hmm. event. I right. believe he was I going he was just spotted. in to eat. Yeah. And we, our friend Nick Rollo, saw him. And one of my girlfriends was there with her kids and saw him. He was like at our neighborhood coffee shop. And you know what? He, w- he was probably unwinding a moment of chill, chilling, <laughs> you know, actually catching up on things in a space where he could not worry about what was going on with the campaign at that time. Probably wasn't even on any schedule. That's cool. And that's the cool part. You know, I ran into State Representative Rafael and Chia one Sunday at Oddfellows. Oh, cool. And it was it was hilarious. He was there with his daughters. And we did a live taping of Lone Star Politics. On my way home, I was like, let me stop by and have breakfast. And I ran into these drunk folks at the bar <laughs> that had literally not been home yet and they were there after the club after the party still there having breakfast and then she and his daughters had to come rescue me (laughs) because they were they just kept talking and kept bothering me so they came over and they they laughed about it emporium pies pies, candidates and their staffs come to dallas they know that that's a place you can get good pie and they go there everybody has these spots that they try to check out we talk a lot about the out-of-town politicians, uh-huh. but the neighborhood spots, it's really cool when you run into politicians there, the local folks. Like um, my neighborhood, I get to Bishop Arts a lot, but um, on Davis Street, there are a lot of uh, spots there that you can go to and see real politicians there. And, and in North, uh, Royal China is a oh, spot yeah, that, you know. Ha! I love that. Yeah. It's an excellent Chinese restaurant. Yeah, it is. So you can find a lot of Dallas Morning News columnists there a lot also. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, remember, so we don't have newspaper bars or restaurants anymore. Right, yeah. But Louis. Louis, yep. You can still find prosecutors there. Uh, John Cruzeau, 
the district attorney frequents Louis a lot. If I need to talk to him, <laughs> I know if I go get, get a there pizza. a certain time, go well, get a pizza. Now he's not going to show up there anymore. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, you know. And what I like about Louis is it's a Chicago tavern style pizza. Yeah. The pizza, cracker crust. The cracker crust with the Chicago cut. So that's what I appreciate about Louis. The most high profile race right now is for governor right? in Texas, um, Beto O'Rourke and incumbent Greg Abbott. What have you seen? Are there different styles of food preferences? Like what do they like to eat? So Beto O'Rourke likes barbecue. Mm-hmm. So he's been to Pecan Lodge here. He's been all over, barbecue places all over. He's also been to Roots, Southern. Uh, oh, yeah. Southern, Southern Kitchen. 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 Yeah. Tiffany Dairy's place. Tiffany Farmer's Dairy's Branch. Place. Yeah. It's a good choice. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe he has. There's such an interesting there backstory there. I think he might read our coverage. <laughs> He does. I, mean, I hope so. Yeah, well, you know, maybe he's looking at dallasmus.com right. slash food right you know, now. Yes. You know. um, Abbott likes barbecue too. But the thing about the governor is it's hard to see him anywhere, right? Because yeah. there's security concerns. Yeah. He doesn't campaign as much as O'Rourke. I have seen him on several occasions, though, at the Ben Franklin the Pharmacy in Duncanville, oh. the old time pharmacy in mm-hmm. Soda Fountain. That's fun. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and they have uh, great sandwiches and things like that. So I've been out there with them and gotten food myself. And it's been pretty good. But because O'Rourke is on the trail more, he's exposed to a lot more restaurants, especially new restaurants. It seems like more recently Abbott has been at Tex-Mex restaurants that I've seen. There have been a few recent events where they've been held at long-time, well-established yes. Tex-Mex restaurants. Yes, and it's like this Ben Franklin thing, long-time established place. A lot of politicians, they go to El Phoenix. Which location? All over, but George W. Bush likes uh, one of the North Dallas locations where you can, it used to be under the price has probably gone up in a few years, the five ninety nine cheese enchilada special. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go time. ahead and say it's probably not still five ninety nine. <laughs> right, have exactly, to check on that, though. Right? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Fernando's, the Bushes, and a lot of folks like to go there. And, of course, uh, Javier's. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not just for the food, but the cigar lounge, yeah. like in the back. Nova, right off Bishop Arts on Davis Street. There's a restaurant called Nova. You can see state representative Jessica Gonzalez, Rafael and Chia. Mm-hmm. And are you saying these people are hanging out at these spots or yes. they're having campaign events there? They're hanging out. Sometimes they have campaign events in the back room or places like that. Yep. But I see these folks like sit at the bar. All of a sudden you look, oh, there's Jessica. Yeah. You know, the state representative or Ron Kirk. Hey, how are you doing? And that's the fun part. Well, we establish identity in the places we like to eat. And so I think it's interesting that even if these people are not making public appearances, where they've chosen to spend their money and where they've chosen to say, this is where I want Tuesday night dinner helps define who they are. Yeah. The uh, owner of Jimmy's told me a story once that uh, Eddie Bernice Johnson, the congresswoman, sent staff over to get some sort of specialty item there. And then they they got food as well. And he just said, take the item and he sent it no charge. So a couple of days later, she shows up at Jimmy's to thank him personally. Mm -hmm. It was a real cool moment for him, you know. Yeah, and it could depend upon which audience or demographic they're trying to cater to. You know, like Abbott going to a lot of Tex-Mex 
restaurants. Right. Like, is he seeing something in the polling that he might be down? Or well, let me tell you, he's <laughs> vowed to win the Latino vote in Texas this time. He, he says he's, he's yeah, going to that win. seemed like a big one yeah, for him. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's probably stepping up the outreach there, but he may like it as well. Oh, true. So. Yeah. So I was also thinking, what would be some food faux pas? that politicians would have in Texas. If you were eating chili and you said, where oh. are the beans? Can I have <laughs> beans? That's in? such a good one. You know. You must have forgotten to put beans in here. Yeah, said, where are the beans? In it? You know, so <laughs> that would be a mistake. Um, if you went somewhere and did not order the brisket, right? you know, to a, a major barbecue restaurant, that would be a faux pas. If you asked for pork. Ooh, what about um, ordering your steak well done? At a steakhouse. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Regardless of can't do what it. state you're in. Yeah, we we used to have editors here who remain nameless that would order well done <laughs> steak. But um, there's a list somewhere. I go to the uh, to the bar in the Melrose a lot just to grab a sandwich. They have good jazz on Fridays and Saturdays. Ran into Miguel Solis once there having dinner, and the singer started singing Ray Charles. Hit the road, Jack. Solis pulls out some dark shades, puts them on, and starts singing Hit the Road Jack <laughs> along with the performer. And she brought her mic over, and he <laughs> he actually performed the song. And so just the things you can see with politicians at the Dallas restaurant. Moral of the story is to keep your eyes peeled. Yeah. Dallas restaurants. Uh, chocolate Secrets. In, oh, yeah. Um, on we, Oakland. Yes. America Ferrera. I saw her there oh. Friday. With state representative Victoria Niave. Oh, yeah. And um, some statewide candidates, including Rochelle, Rochelle Garza, who is the Democratic nominee for attorney general against Ken Paxson. They were in Chocolate Secrets. Just right, having Friday. chocolate and wine? I'm sure they were raising money. Uh, Niave, the state rep, texted me and said, hey, we're over at Chocolate Secrets. Because I love America. The, the country and the and the woman. Yeah, she's, yeah. Um, For a long time, I thought Chocolate Secrets was a strip club. <laughs> it sounds like it. No. I just didn't. Has you know, that kind of name, right? I don't yeah, think that would play like, well on a national scale, like a headline of like, you know, if yeah. Beto or Abbott were at Chocolate, Chocolate Secrets. Secrets. Right, yeah. I mean, everybody would be like, what? <laughs> you know, there have been politicians at strip clubs. Yeah, really, yeah. eat. Kinky Friedman um, at the yeah. lodge, you know. Well, the story about the lodge is everybody said they had excellent food. Yep. And lunch. It's probably another story, too, but yeah. it's yeah. one of the has great wings. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this has been great. And, um, you know, I hope everybody remembers to get out there and vote. And if you see a politician hanging out, go up and ask them a question. And, and tell us what they ate. Yes. What they ordered. Stay with us. Coming up in our next segment, we talk to Dallasite and cookbook author Alex Snodgrass of The Defined Dish. That's right after this. Hey, listeners. This is Christopher Wynn. I'm the arts and entertainment editor for the Dallas Morning News. And that, thankfully, includes the food team that you're listening to right now. What I love about this beat is that food stories are people stories. Restaurants say a lot about who we are, our culture, and the health and well-being of our communities. If you want to help continue supporting this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member. You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com slash listen. 
I always love talking to local food folks who have made it big, and I've long been impressed by Dallasite Alex Snodgrass, who grew her blog, The Defined Dish, to a national and international audience with her bold Whole30 approved recipes. Since this is your first time on the show, um, can you talk to us a little bit about The Defined Dish? Of course, and thank you so much for having me. So I probably started Defined Dish in, I think it was 2014 to be exact. Um, I always feel like I miss these dates up, but yes, 2014, my sister and I started the defined dish as kind of like a sister duo blog because I've always been a big food lover and was always making recipes for my family and friends and, you know, emailing recipes that my friends had had at my house or throughout college. And then my sister was a personal trainer. So we thought we were going to start a food and fitness blog together. Um, it was, uh, you know, a really crummy website. We probably had about 10 viewers for about two years, but I kind of started to fall in love with the process. I realized that if I really did go in, you know, all out that I could potentially turn it into a business. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. My sister was getting married at the time and she wasn't doing as much personal training. So she exited the building and um, I rebranded the site and I set a bunch of goals up for myself to really try my best to turn it into a business. And that year was a big year for me. Everything just kind of turned around and the defined dish that it is today really came to life. And I started to build a community and get a lot of people cooking my recipes and sharing them. And about two years after that is whenever um, my first book deal came about. So the rest is kind of history and uh, my community keeps growing and that's awesome. people love the recipes. So I'm very grateful. <laughs> One of the things about your recipes that I notice is that they're all just so flavorful. Like no one mm -hmm. is losing anything by eating these recipes, even though they're like, yeah. you know, dairy free or this free or that, you know, they're still just very, very flavorful. What are some of your inspirations for some of your flavors that you work with? This is kind of twofold. First of all, I do not like to eat a boring meal, like <laughs> right. breakfast, lunch, or dinner. If I'm going to be eating something, it needs to like blow my mind, which is kind of a problem. So I just love food. I love big flavor. I think the Texan in me has really been around these big, bold flavors. And so when I did want to eat healthy and nutritious, and I was doing my first whole 30, you know, it's one thing to have chicken and broccoli for like two meals, but after the end of the week, you're like, okay, how can I make this fun and exciting and right. um, really keeps me full? And I started to like, I, you know, if I was craving gumbo, I'd be like, let's see if I can make a gumbo using cassava flour. And so I kind of um, just started playing around with it. So I think for me, it's my Texas roots at the end of the day with the big, bold flavors and making sure that even though it's healthy, it's not rabbit food. It's got that right. really comforting, cozy, filling flavors as well. So healthy, big, bold flavors is, is my forte. <laughs> yeah. And they're so fun to cook also your recipes. Oh, good. Thank you. And easy, like on a weeknight. Yes. That's another goal. I know that everyone wants to get dinner on the table and um, I do too. Yeah. You know, I have a family and I, I want everyone to sit around the table and I love to cook, but I also know that we're all in a hurry to get things done. Um, so to be able to cook a nutritious, healthy and flavorful meal on a weeknight and get it on the table quickly is the key. Yes, definitely. So tell me a little bit about your new product line. This is your first foray into products, right? Yes. Yes. It's my first product babies that, I've, that I have. It's been <laughs> um, a little bit over two years that I've been working on this. Oh, wow. I kind of have always known that I want to do food products at some point. And, you know, as a influencer, I hate that word. And, <laughs> and having a social media platform, there's always opportunities to do these like collaborations with brands. And I had a couple opportunities like that arise and I just 
I realized at the end of the day with the specific ingredients that I wanted to use, the flavors that I wanted to achieve, I just really needed to hold off and hopefully one day be able to do it on my own. Oh, wow. And so I kind of put it on the back burner in hopes that one day this would come to fruition and I could attack it. And it definitely took a lot longer than I thought it was going to. It was definitely a lot more difficult to make a like Whole30 Paleo shelf stable product. You know, there definitely has its uh, complications, but I think I fully understand the food science behind it a little bit more now and um, where I can make more products a little bit more quickly and efficiently moving forward. But um, it's been a really fun endeavor. But at the end of the day, I think my goal is how we talked, like getting dinner on the table quickly and having these big flavors is what everybody wants and needs. I think these products go from the quick at-home work lunch to that warm and cozy dinner time family meal too, um, because they are multi-purpose. So that's exactly what I wanted. I just want to make sure that people have a resource available to make dinner come on the table more quickly so they can sit around the table with the ones they love and have dinner time with less stress. Yeah, because dressings are, even though they're kind of easy to make at home, like it's so much easier if you have one just on hand that you use. One less step. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, it is easy. But then, you know, on a Wednesday and you're, right. you're exhausted and you got to chop all the salad ingredients and make the homemade dressing, it can be, it can be overwhelming. Um, so it's for those nights that you don't feel like making it homemade. Right, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. And these are available now on online is it getsidedish.com yes getsidedish.com we're just okay. doing direct to consumer right now we're having some great conversations with some retailers that all of us Dallas folks love okay so hopefully they'll be soon to follow but we're we're a baby company we're self-funded we're getting going on online first and direct to consumer then hopefully the retail will, will come soon and so let's talk a little bit about living in DFW what are some of your go-to restaurants here I feel like Dallas has such a great food scene and it just keeps getting better by the moment. Right. Like I feel like lately there's been some incredible restaurants that have popped up. And one of my favorites is Beverly's. I love that Greg, the owner is always there and he is always, you know, hustling and he just brings such a good vibe. Um, I'd say our go-tos are a good old Tex-Mex stop with the kids. We love Rafa's. We love Ebar. We love um, Macero. We go there a lot as well. One other restaurant that I really love that we are like we have become regulars at lately. We go through these phases where we like really like a restaurant. Right. Beverly's is one of them right now, but Il Brocco is the other. Winnie, my youngest, loves their meatballs. Clayton, I love their Brocco drink. If you have not gone to Il Brocco and gotten the Brocco drink, put it on the top of your list. It is fantastic. <laughs> Great tip. I love yes. that. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Alex. And that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining, and I hope we've made you hungry for more. We also want to hear from you, so share your food thoughts with us by emailing eatdrink at dallasnews.com. The show is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of this show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Aaron Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market.